0: fly fishing for salmon on the Endrick Bank. There are already some excellent articles in the hints and tips sections which go into detail on some of the techniques for tempting lowman sea trout and in the process no doubt an occasional salmon will fall to the fly. However there are few anglers today who specifically target salmon on a fly in the lock, as the sport enjoyed from a day's sea trout angling is invariably more exciting. Despite the fact that there are days when you believe there's not a salmon in the lock, when the fish decide to come on sport can be tremendous, and in my opinion, there are few more thrilling experiences in fly fishing than seeing a salmon coming up from the depths to turn over and take a fly, very often within an arm's length from the boat. My grandfather, father and uncles learned the techniques when salmon fishing the Endrick Bank was in its prime. In the 1930s, 40s and 50s trolling the bank by engine was banned, and any boats choosing to troll the bank had to do so by oars, and were generally frowned upon. At that time, as many as 15 or 20 boats would be fly fishing, and according to my father, It was not an unusual occurrence for two or more boats to pull into deep water in order to play salmon at the same time. Invariably some anglers would blank, however if you caught the rise at the correct time, two or three salmon to a boat in a day was not uncommon. Some notable catches to fly from the Endrick Bank that I am aware of, other than the record catch of seven salmon to 77 pounds taken by Ian Wood, were as follows. My grandfather, One June day in the late 1940s caught two salmon of 27 and 29 pounds and lost a third of a similar size. In July 1956 my father had his heaviest from the lock at 30.5 pounds Alan Dunlop, in May 1965 took his heaviest on the fly at 31 pounds my own heaviest from the lock was 27 pounds and was caught in May 2013 on a size 6 mallard and yellow single hooked fly. Three generations of anglers with fly caught salmon from the Endrick Bank. My own heaviest at £27 pounds caught on 29th of May 2013. The fish was hooked close to the boat in Stewart's Hole and was landed almost a mile away at the Ard Isle, the fight taking the better part of an hour. My father, Jim McGrandall with his largest Loman salmon at 30.5 pounds, it was hooked in Stewart's Hole on the Endrick Bank. The other was a mere titler at 14 pounds. One exceptional day in July 1967, when my uncle Willie and Tom Hogg Sr., the man who gallied for the record salmon, were camping my father joined them for a day's fishing. This day was unusual as the salmon were on for longer than any other time my father or uncle could recollect. On that day, my father and uncle were fishing whilst Tom Galeed and before long my father had hooked and lost a salmon. He hooked and landed two more in fairly quick succession before one of the oars broke. Left with no choice, the engine was started and they pushed through a heavy wave to their camp at Port Bon on the west side of Inchcalioch to replace the broken oar. By the time taken to leave the Endrick Bank, and get to the campsite, have something to eat and drink and congratulate themselves on a great morning's fishing, at least a couple of hours passed before they resumed fishing. Surprisingly, the salmon were still rising as freely as before, in fact my uncle still talks about rising two at a time on more than one occasion, and in all he probably rose around fifty salmon for his day. He hooked only the one, which ran him into the weeds and broke the cast. Conversely, my father rose surprisingly few, but seemed to hook almost all the fish he rose and an additional four were landed and one lost before the rise ended, and it looked like there were no fish there at all. In my experience, salmon can come on and sport can be great for anywhere from half an hour to a couple of hours, but on that occasion, they seemed to be on for far longer than any other time. Until he died, my father always reckoned that if the oar hadn't broken and they lost the fishing time, then he would have stood a great chance of beating Ian Wood's record that day. Below is a photo of my father holding two of the salmon he took with me as the cute toddler. The other photo is Willie and Tom Hogg with the remaining salmon from that exceptional day. All fish landed were between 10 and 15 pounds. I'm not sure why fly fishing the Endrick Bank for salmon has waned in popularity, but I was as guilty as anyone for foregoing fly fishing in favor of trolling, until about 15 years ago when my uncle and I decided on a whim to give fly fishing a serious trial again. Several blank 12-hour trolling days can do that to a guy. We decided to fly fish every day for a week, and as luck would have it, my uncle landed a 12 pounder on the first day, and I got my first on the fly from the bank the next day at 10 pounds each of the days we fished one or other would rise a salmon or two, so enjoyment and success were far greater than the trolling had been. Since then, I made a point of watching, listening and copying everything Willie did, and only when I felt confident in what I was doing did I start to tweak some things of my own, with varying levels of success. Unlike drifting for sea trout described in some of the previous articles, the method which works best for fishing the bank is to work the boat to keep it in a depth of around 6 or 7 feet, and the angler should be casting to a depth of around 4 or 5 feet. This is difficult for a lone angler to consistently achieve, and I've tried many different techniques to fish alone, but there's no doubt in my mind that nothing can better the efforts of a dedicated ghillie. The ghillie can constantly keep check on the boat, ensure the depth is correct and can move the angler over a rising fish with little effort an electric outboard can work up to a point, and in fact when I fished with Bob Forshaw last year, was pleasantly surprised at how well it coped, however still believe that the best results are achieved when one angler forgoes his fishing for a time and concentrates on keeping his boat partner in the prime depth. If you don't have a depth finder, then finding an accurate depth isn't all that difficult. You will see on the oars you have in the boat, that the stopper for the Rolex is invariably somewhere between 6 and 7 feet, depending on the size of oar, and by pushing the blade of the oar down to the bottom of the lock on a regular basis you can gauge a fairly accurate depth quite easily as shown in the photos below. By pushing the glad of the oar to the bottom you can see that the boat is in about 5.5 feet depth. Adjusty position to maintain about 6 to 7 feet or so. Flies used for salmon fishing can be what you want, and the traditional sea trout flies used in a bigger size are perfectly acceptable. One point to note though is that using these bigger flies tends to preclude sea trout from rising this can be like a double-edged sword. On the plus point, when a fish does show an interest, it is either a salmon grills, or, or an exceptionally large sea trout. On the negative side, the fact that the smaller sea trout do not show an interest, can mean a lot of fruitless fishing, and can, without some success, be off-putting. Personally, I generally stick to the same tried and tested patterns which have worked for me in the past. These are either a mallard and yellow, turkey and mixed or invicta on the bob, and a turkey in silver or gold on the tail. My preference is to fish a two fly cast, although I know of others who fish three flies with great results. There is no hard or fast rule. The lies shown are top left, mallard and yellow, top right, turkey and mixed, bottom left, turkey and silver, bottom right, turkey and gold. The flies shown are tied on size 6 heavyweight forged hooks. This is my preferred size, although on rough days we'll use a size 4. Leader material and breaking strain again is a matter of personal choice, and I've not seen much evidence that salmon are leader shy. I prefer 12 pounds breaking strain, and although I've used fluorocarbon and copolymer material, find that I keep going back to monofilament nylon. The two brands I have in my fishing bag are Drennan Subsurface Green and Maxima. I have used and have caught salmon on 10, 12 and 15 pounds breaking strains, though if you feel more confident with a different weight, then go for it. Leader material and breaking strain again is a matter of personal choice, and I've not seen much evidence that salmon are leader shy. I prefer 12 pounds breaking strain, and although I've used fluorocarbon and copolymer material, find that I keep going back to monofilament nylon. The two brands I have in my fishing bag are Drennan Subsurface Green and Maxima. I have used and have caught salmon on 10, 12 and 15 pounds breaking strains, though if you feel more confident with a different weight, then go for it. The technique of fishing the Endrick bank is one which has been adapted over the years by the great anglers of yesteryear and has been copied by myself and others. Although it is not unusual to hook a salmon on the tail fly, by far and a way the more successful is the bob fly, tripped across the surface and the take is invariably slow, close to the boat and in full view of the angler. A slow sinking or intermediate line is recommended, and allow the flies to sink a foot or so before the retrieve. It seems to be the action of the bob fly coming from under the water to the surface which triggers the interest. I have tried a floating line in the past without ever getting any interest, and know of a couple of my friends who also tried floating lines with similar lack of success. There is no need for a long cast. I tend to cast not much more than 15 yards, as a short cast allows me to control the retrieve and have the bob fly on the surface for the maximum amount of time till another cast is required. Although exceptionally long rods such as those used for dapping are not required, I find that a single-handed rod limits how well you can control the bob fly. I used to use an old 12-foot hollow glass fiber Milbro rod which I still love and had great success with till my son bought me a 13-foot Airflow Delta Classic, which is lighter and of a slightly stiffer action. This is the rod I use nowadays almost exclusively. The rise and take of a salmon are generally much slower than that of a sea trout, and the angler is required to steal himself, or herself not to strike immediately this is easier said than done and i have pulled the fly away from a fish myself on numerous occasions to give oneself the discipline not to strike until you see the line tightening is something that does come with practice however an angler who has previously only fished for sea trout where the strike needs to be instantaneous should prepare for a few air moments before getting the hang of the correct time to strike the best areas to fly fish the endrick bank are not surprisingly the same areas that are best for trolling boats Salmon seem to prefer to lie just as the Endrick bank shelves off into deeper water, and a fly-fishing boat can find itself competing for space on the occasions that the bank is busiest. Unless you have no option, I would recommend that during the day on a Saturday is the wrong time to give fly-fishing a try for the first time. Evenings when motorized traffic has quietened down is always preferable, and if you can manage to get time off midweek, then there's a very good possibility you might be the only boat fishing. The Endrick bank can be split into four distinct areas for the fly-fisher. Starting from Bamaha and heading south, there is a long sandy point which heads out towards Inch. This point then deepens and you can head back towards the shore to a deep part of the bank known as Stewart's Hole. I've no idea how the name came about but it has been called that long before I started fishing and no one I've asked can remember the origins, however Stewart's Hole both for trollers and fly fishers can be very productive and in my opinion, is probably the single best holding area on the bank. Moving south away from Stewart's Hole, past the endrick mouth is the next real area where the fish lie and is known as the shoulder. This is one of these areas where a single angler struggles to maintain depth, but with a ghillie I would recommend spending a reasonable time here before moving on. Next comes the flats, and this is one area, wind direction dependent, that a single angler can without too much difficulty, follow the contours of the shelf and virtually drift past the aboral and into the next deep area of the firs hole. The furs is another good holding area, but I've been remarkably unlucky here for some reason, losing more fish hook than anywhere else. Don't let the fact that I've had bad luck here put you off, many lock anglers have had great success here. From the furs, the angler next moves into deeper water, heading for the net bay and cladage. This is an area favored by the trolling boats, and if I'm being honest, I also prefer to troll this area rather than fly fish. I've fished it with the fly, and have risen salmon, but never hooked one, however historically it produced great catches, and there is no reason why even today the fly fisher shouldn't still have great sport. Although the halcyon days of the past are unlikely to come back, there are still good salmon fishing days to be had today. One August day in 2010, I had the place to myself for a couple of hours and on a good northwest wind, was able to work myself down the flats. On that day, in the space of the two hours, I rose seven salmon, four of which were hooked and three landed. Whether it was coincidence or not I don't know, but two trolling boats passed about the time I landed the third fish, and although I fished the rest of the day, not another fish rose afterwards. On that particular day, although at the right time for grills, all the fish which showed an interest were double figures in weight. A great day to fishing the Endrick Bank. The two salmon were 11 and 15 pounds and a third also in the mid-teens was returned. The successful flies that day were a turkey and mixed on the bob and a turkey and gold on the tail. Both flies caught salmon. The playing and landing of fly-caught fish has already been well written about by others, and have nothing original to add to those who have written great articles. The only minor point I would make is that the initial run of a hefty salmon in open water is unlike that in a river, and it is surprising how quickly a fish can strip off the fly line and 100 yards plus of backing. Make sure that whatever fly reel you choose to fish with has plenty of capacity. Now you've read about it, why not have a go? Ewan McGrandall, May 2014.